And you are listening to our WOKV Spotlight on the Congressional Race in District 4. My name is Kevin Rafuse, and joining us in studio today, we have the former sheriff of Jacksonville, Mr. John Rutherford. John, how are you today? I'm doing well. Good to be with you, Kevin. Thanks for joining us here in studio today. So I guess the first question that everyone is going to ask, everyone who lives in Jacksonville is very familiar with your policing work or elected sheriff back in right. 2003, right. just made the tr- making the transition into politics now. So what made you want to jump into the race and go after to being a congressman on the federal level? Well, I'll tell you, Kevin, it was it was multiple things, actually. Uh, you know, one, one experience that I had that a lot of people aren't aware of, because I didn't tout it much when I was sheriff, but uh, I was actually legislative chair for the Florida Sheriff's Association for nine of my 12 years as sheriff. So I had a, a, a very good eye into uh, the legislative process, uh, worked very hard over in Tallahassee, building coalitions throughout the state of Florida. And, and that experience really uh, kind of gave me the taste for legislative issues. And, and then, of course, being a, uh, a crime fighter, I'm always concerned about public safety. And, and it seemed like the next step. I've, I've, I've taken care of protecting the hometown. Now I want to take care and protect the homeland. And so I, I, I see the things that are going on uh, around the country, Kevin, uh, you know, less than four hours from where we sit, we had 50 Americans murdered, murdered by a failed immigration policy and a failed national intelligence policy. In Dallas, Texas, we've got five dead police officers murdered by a culture of death and violence that I've talked about for 12 years as sheriff. And then third and finally, you, you know, we see drugs and violence continue to pour across our southern border. We have no so- sovereign southern border any longer. And, and those are the issues that just drive me to get involved. I see a weakened military. I see uh, uh, poor service to our, to our veterans. Uh, I, I see a, a weakened economy. And, and again, I see the lack of sovereign borders. And, and that, those are fights that, as, as a sheriff, as a public servant, I want to be involved in those things. And so you mentioned that first fight right there. One of the big issues on both sides of the aisle has been immigration reform. We've seen calls for it um, on, like I said, on both sides of the aisle. We saw President Obama's plan, for example, get uh, shelved by the Supreme Court for a bit earlier this year. On the other token, we've seen Donald Trump go as far as calling for a border wall across our southern border with Mexico. So when it comes to fixing an immigration system that you yourself just said is broken, how do we go about doing that? Well, there there are several things, Kevin. Number one, we need to secure our border so that the uh, you know, we have a sovereign border. Now, th- I don't know that that necessarily has to be a physical wall. It could be an electronic wall. It can be a lot of, there, there are a lot of opportunities there to stop this violence and all these drugs pouring across our southern border. There's a lot of ways to do that. Uh, th- there's, there's a way to deal with the uh, illegal immigrants who come here and then overstay their visas. Uh, look, I ran a 287G program in our jail. I think that ought to be in every jail in the country uh, where my officers were trained in immigration and customs enforcement law and their databases. And when a a criminal illegal alien was arrested in Duval County, we began processing them for deportation. We didn't have to wait on ICE or, or Washington to do it. We did it here locally. And, and year to date, we started that program in 2008 and it's still running and uh, under Sheriff Mike Williams and year to date, we have now processed for deportation 2,281 criminal illegal aliens just in Duval County. So, Kevin, that gives you an idea how big this problem is. 
we ought to be doing this across the country. 287G shouldn't be a little-known program. It should be the premier program uh, throughout the country for, for every jail in America. In addition to that, I will tell you, I agree with Jim Comey, uh, the director of the FBI. Look, folks that, folks that we cannot vet, these refugees and, and other folks who want to legally immigrate to America, if we can't vet them properly, they ought not be here. And I don't care what their uh, religious, you know, whether they're Islam, Catholic, Jew, it doesn't matter. Uh, Christian, that doesn't, doesn't matter what, what their faith what matters is can we vet them and understand why they're trying to come to this country? And uh, no one has a right to come to this country unless they can be vetted properly. And you mentioned the Syrian refugees in your answer there, and, and that goes to the bigger point of the fighting with against the Islamic State in both Iraq and Syria. So far, with President Obama's efforts, we've seen the coordinated air campaign along with some special forces on the ground. I guess in terms of that strategy, how effective do you think it's been so far? And if you were to make any changes to it, how would you like to go about that? Well, here's the major change that, that, that I would have looked at. Look, I, I cannot understand for the life of me why the president would sign off on the comprehensive joint plan of action, which gives to the largest, which gives to Iran, that's the Iran deal, as people call it, uh, $150 billion in assets that we're going to release to the largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. And and somehow we don't think that's going to be destabilizing for that reason. That was a bad, bad move. So, you know, they can do a lot of good things on targeting and all that, but they just shot themselves in the foot with that with that program. And, and, and that is why, Kevin, that is why I support uh, wholeheartedly our, our MOU with Israel. And look, they are the lone democracy in that region. And we have to uh, assist them. And the MOU, where we're now giving them about $3.1 billion a year, we need to continue that. That's a 10-year MOU that's now in about its eighth year and it's being renegotiated right now. We have, to, we have to continue to support Israel in that regard. Also, we need to continue to support their missile defense system, like the Iron Dome and David's Sling. Those, those are things that are going to keep that region secure be, uh, because without Israel— uh, things things are going to get very destabilized. Well, they're already destabilized over there, but even more so. So I guess in terms of Iran itself, then you'd obviously like to take a much harder line stance against Iran. A much harder line. Look, even outside of the comprehensive joint plan of action, they, they just bought $25 million worth of har, uh, heavy water from uh, Iran. And that's not even part of that deal. Why are, Why are we doing business with Iran? They are the largest sponsor of state or largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. And we're giving them tw- an extra 25 million to fight us with. I, I, that just makes no sense to me. I want to switch gears a little bit now to an issue that we briefly touched upon earlier, and that is the VA system. We've seen in past years the VA system with veterans coming home and not being able to see their doctors in reasonable fashion or even being able to see them at all in some cases. How do we go about fixing that system so that way we can guarantee our veterans get the best care possible? Kevin, I think the easiest way is let veterans give them a card, a universal care card, and they can go to any medical facility just like anybody with insurance can do. Uh, why we have to build a separate system uh, is beyond me. Let, let's, let's integrate that system into the uh, community care uh, structure 
and and then give give our veterans a car. They shouldn't have to drive past a hospital to go to a hospital. Uh, they should be able to pick the doctors and and choose the doctors that they want to go to. And uh, I I think the universal card care card is is the way to do it. And you mentioned the a weakened military. We know Jacksonville, obviously a huge military town, both with NAS Jackson, obviously Mayport. You know, what would you like to see differently done in terms of the military? Do you think it's being underfunded, or would you like to see over overall changes? Well, well there's a lot of things that need to take place here. Uh, number one, we need to increase our funding. The uh, national defense is now about 16 percent of our total uh, budget. Uh, that that I think is, uh, needs to be beefed up. We've gone from about 45 brigades down to 31. Uh, but more specifically, bringing that issue home is the fact that you know we we need to have uh, Mayport as a nuclear carrier base. Now we're working on that. I think uh, 2018 is the target that to have the infrastructure in place that would support a nuclear carrier. Uh, at, the, at the naval uh, base in Mayport, but uh, it, it, you know, it, it and it makes sense. That, you know, if if we're going to ask people from all over the country to to put money into this, and we have to make it has to make more sense than just say this is good for Jacksonville. It's got to be good for the country. Well, the reason I believe it's good for the country is you need an alternate eastern seaboard uh, basin and and uh, berthing that is capable of handling a nuclear carrier. That's why this is so important uh, to, to not just to Jacksonville, but to our national security issues interest. So you mentioned you obviously bring the unique perspective of having been the sheriff of Jacksonville for so many years, and we briefly touched on it a bit earlier. But the we've seen in recent months the incidents in Dallas and in Baton Rouge, and on the other side of the coin with Alton Sterling in Baton Rouge and with Philando Castile in Minnesota, where it, it's almost as if there's just a general distrust from both sides anymore. How do we go about repairing on the federal level the relations between police and in, in the communities they serve, and how would you use your experience as a sheriff to address that issue? Well, I think, Kevin, what, what's, what's really important is that we start getting our values in line. Uh, you know, the, the, the fact that we have a group that calls for police officers to be, you know, uh, fried like bacon, and then two, two New York City police officers are murdered days later, uh, this Black Lives Matter group, I think, should be designated a hate group. Look, they may not go out and commit the violence, but they are certainly lighting the fuse under those individuals you just mentioned, like Micah Johnson in Dallas, who go out and then commit that, that, that violence. Uh, th- that is horrific. We, we cannot legitimize groups like that who call for the death of police officers who are out there to protect and serve. I like the, I, I like the Dallas chief uh, of police uh, challenge that he threw down to, to, to that group. You want to make a difference? Put down your sign and come join up and strap on a gun and protect your community. Yeah, it's something, and the results were there immediately. I believe that he saw a 300% spike in applications, something like that. So a, a bit of a positive note coming out of that story and the tragedy. But I, I want us, we've hit a lot of heavy topics so far, so I want to mm-hmm. get to something lighter. And that is the growth, both just throughout Florida, but specifically in Northeast Florida. When we mentioned Duval County, we've seen, for example, Amazon come in, creating a lot of jobs here for the city now. And in St. John's County, we see the school district booming to the point where they're having to build three new schools just to house all the students. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, there was a Forbes.com study, for example, that was released the other day that finds that people are coming to Florida, Tampa and Jacksonville, the one and two most attractive destinations for people looking for jobs and looking for work. How mm-hmm. do we keep this momentum going? And on a federal level, how do, will you continue to promote growth here in Northeast Florida? Well, Kevin, I, I, there's a couple ways, I, I think. Number one, we have to get the federal budget uh, straightened out. Look, we're, we're, we're approaching a $20 trillion national debt. Uh, two ways that I think we can do that. Number one is we, we really need a, a, a balanced budget amendment. I would, I, I would support that. We also need uh, to, to stop this over-regulatory burden that's coming out of the executive branch agencies where the, literally we have, we have bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. who are legislating by fiat. That nobody elected them. They're accountable to no one. And yet they draft these rules and regulations far beyond what uh, the, the non-delegation doctrine uh, uh, would allow in, in the in the J.W. Uh, Hampton decision. Uh, so th- they have taken over the regulatory arm uh, uh, business of the federal government. Congress needs to pull that responsibility back. I, su- I support Jeff uh, Davis from Kentucky uh, Jeff with a G, who 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 is pushing hard for the Reins Act, R E I N S, and what the Reins Act will do is bring that regulatory process back to the elected officials in Congress. Both uh, the regulations would then only be passed and become effective uh, after a joint resolution by the House and the Senate, and then signed off on by the President. Just last year, Kevin. The bills that, or I'm sorry, the regulatory changes that would have been affected by this bill, the Reins Act, would actually uh, have co- actually cost our economy 1.2 trillion dollars. 1.2 trillion dollars. So, so we get our economic house in order first and, and foremost. Then we start looking at uh, things like the tax structure. We have to have tax reform on, on a massive level. Uh, I've seen Trump's plan. That's very uh, Reagan-esque, and, and I like it. Um, on, on top of that, we need to, we need to also address the uh, corporate tax structure, particularly those international corporations, uh, offer them a repatriation exemption so that we can bring that $2 trillion that is sitting offshore of investment dollars, bring that back to America to create jobs right here in, right here in Jacksonville and, and across the country. Those, those are the kind of things that will get our GDP growing instead of limping along at less than – it's actually less than 2% now. But uh, it, it's been growing at about 2% for the last 18 years. That we can get our growth up to about 4% and actually start burning down some of that $20 trillion in national debt. And finally, I'll, I'll suggest this too. I, I'm, I, you'll love this. I'm, I'm up in Washington, D.C. Uh, making the rounds, and, and, and I got approached and. Uh, by a group they want to know if i would join the yellow pages caucus and i'm I'm like the the what (laughs) and they and and this is something pete sessions in uh texas started uh and it's here's what they do they look at every they, they look at a service that is being provided by the federal government and then they go and look in the yellow pages if they can find that same service being provided in the yellow pages the federal government ought not be doing it we shouldn't be competing against private industry, or at least, or at least, we should allow that private industry group to compete against the federal government in providing that service to the to to, to the country. 
I'm wondering how many of our younger listeners are, are going to get the Yellow Pages Yeah, they may not I, even I know, know what the Yellow Pages the are. They still deliver on people. but uh, Exactly. So, Governor Scott, we, we talked about jobs. has obviously <laughs> been such a big portion of, of his time as serving governor here. It's really, right. really big part of his agenda. Another thing that he's been calling for recently, really across the board, has been more funding to stop the Zika virus. We have over 400 cases here in Florida now, by far the most in the country. And Senator Rubio as well, Senator Bill Nelson, all making calls for funding, yet Congress left town without passing a funding bill. Uh, so what do we need to do about the Zika virus in, in terms of what would you like to see in terms of funding, but both actually going after the mosquitoes as well to stop the spread from getting any further? Look, we, we absolutely have to get out in front of this. Uh, I, I can tell you, interestingly, I, I, I had a meeting, and I, and I won't n- name the group, but a, but a group that manages a very large tourist destination in Northeast Florida. And, and I was speaking to them, and he mentioned that they have already had cancellations by people because of Zika, and we're nowhere near it. We're in Northeast Florida. But people are afraid, and as well they should be. And that's why I, th- I think we need to – look, I, I'm, I'm for listening to those uh, medical professionals and, uh, the, and those who know about how to get rid of uh, mosquitoes and that sort of thing. You know, we, we need to give them the support that they need to be successful in this fight against Zika because if, if, if we don't, Florida is a, is a destination state, uh, a tourist state. And, and this cannot be allowed to stand. Um, you know, I remember back when, when, when we had a couple Canadian uh, tourists that were, that were murdered in a, uh, uh, um, one of our rest, rest areas, if you remember, many years ago. And, uh, and we actually staffed, had to go out and staff every rest area for, for a long time so that people would feel safe coming to coming to Florida, we cannot have that kind of thing happen again. We need that same kind of commitment for to to address this Zika issue. So we'll end it on a lighter note. Now we've hit a lot of topics <clears throat> as we begin to wind down here, but it's a crowded field in the Republican Party in terms of this who's going to represent District Four come November. So I, I pose this question to all the candidates who have come mm-hmm. in: What uniquely makes you the most qualified to represent District Four and Northeast Florida, both in November and in Congress? For, first of all, Kevin, on on the on the national security issues, there's not another candidate in this race that has dealt with national security issues at a local, state, and federal level. I have. I have great experience in that area. I ran our regional domestic security task force. I've worked with the Joint Terrorism Task Force and the FBI. I helped build one of the best fusion centers in the country, uh, I, which is a, an intelligence gathering uh, operation. Uh, also helped create, uh, w- with great help from Northrop Grumman and, and NCIS, um, the the, the Northeast Florida Law Enforcement uh, Links Program, the Law Enforcement Network Exchange, which now has over, I think, over 106 law enforcement agencies in Northeast Florida and Southeast Georgia, all working together to protect our communities. No one else in this race has that kind of experience. In addition to that, I will tell you, as I, as I talked about over-regulation and, and all those things, I, I often have businessmen ask me, well, well, John, how do you, how do you know about over-regulation? And I'm like, are you kidding me? 
I ran a $398 million business. I had 3,200 employees. I've, I've addressed all of these business challenges that others have, which, by the way, half of my employees carried guns, <laughs> so, which made it even tougher. Uh, you know, no one in this race has that kind of business experience. I have the legislative experience, having been legislative chair for nine years, representing all 67 sheriffs in Florida. Uh, so those those experiences, and I've dealt with the failures of local, state, and federal uh, governments, and and so I don't think there's another candidate in this race that has that kind of experience that they can take to Washington D.C. and be effective on day one. So I want to thank everyone for tuning into this edition of the WOKV Spotlight on District Four. Again, my name is Kevin Rafuse. You've been listening to Mr. John Rutherford, former sheriff here of Jacksonville. John, thanks for coming in. Thank you, Kevin. Good to be with you.